0: I thank all the ladies who came to our women's live women's event conference with such a great turnout, such a great amount of women who leaned in. And you know, at the back, when I was talking to Jenny Gilpin, who came and spoke, she gave probably me one of the highest compliments that I could ever receive about this church and about you women. And she says, Your women are really hungry. And I said, yes, they are hungry. And so that's so good. Keep being hungry. Not only you women, but you guys, young people, be hungry because God is going to, is moving and going to continue to move. Amen. We're going to come round time of the word right now. And I just want to pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity. We, gather, we get to gather together around your word, to learn from your word. And Father, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would speak. Lord, you would cause faith to rise into hearts today, Lord Jesus. And Father, I pray that in this place, oh God, the revelation, of the truth of your word would pre- penetrate hearts. Not only for tonight, but to go into their Wednesday and their Thursday and the weeks to come and the months to come and the years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, who remembers ever having a, um, a height chart? Or I know when I was growing up, it was just against the architrave where your parents would measure how tall you were getting. Yeah? yeah? Well, I... I uh, <laughs> I'm actually really short. <laughs> so I would be with anticipation when it was my turn to measure the height. And I'm like, oh, I didn't grow a millimetre. That's it, you know. And, and nowadays I did get to five foot one and a half. And when I had to do a height thing, um, apparently I've shrunk. <laughs> so I was like, oh, the hills are getting higher <laughs> and bigger. <laughs> But one thing that we see in the Word of God, and especially in the book of Peter, encourages us that we should always keep growing. We should never stop growing. And tonight I want to talk about the book of Peter and share with you some, some revelations some some truths that are applicable to us every day of our lives. You know, Peter is one of Jesus' disciples. And we don't really remember or think of him, maybe you do, but I don't always think of Peter as a writer of two books. You know, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. I always remember Peter as the foot-in-mouth guy. Um, I remember him as the disciple of Jesus. I remember him um, as the one who walked on water. I remember him as the one who chopped the disciple the, the guard's ear off, you know, brazen Peter was never afraid. I remember him as the one who denied Jesus. I remember him as the one who who came back to Jesus. I remember him as the one who who loved Jesus and who followed Jesus and his call. And he then became a great leader of the church of the early church so somehow i want to bring gather tonight your your attention if i can to focus on these books that peter wrote but particularly the last chapter in second peter but i'm going to give you an overview of the two books when we you, you know the sermon today is uh, live how to live in troubled times and uh, I think Peter's book really tells us and instructs us, instructs us how to live in troubled times. His first letter um, that, that we see that Peter wrote, he's actually writing from a prison and he's pastored these people for 30 years and he's about to be killed. He's about to be martyred for his faith. And they asked him, how do you want to be martyred? And he chose, I don't want to die like Jesus died. I want to die on the cross upside down. Because I'm not worthy to die like Jesus died. And so here he is. He knows he's going to be martyred. He knows he's going to be killed. And what is on his mind? He's writing a letter to his people. He's pastoring his people from his jail cell, encouraging them. Hey, I know. I heard what you're going through. You are in really bad times, but I want to encourage you. I want to give you some keys of how to live in these troubled times. Peter, we see... uh, was writing to a group of people who were God's people, they were his chosen people. They were Jews and they were Gentiles, but they were living like foreigners in, in, in Rome. and they were scattered, they were scattered all over because of the Roman persecution that came. And it was impossible for, uh, for them to be as one. They were just literally scattered from five different, into five different re- regions. And we see that they were kicked out by Nero, the emperor. You know, and sometimes when I talk to people, they're so afraid of today and what we're going through. And they're so afraid of the end times and what we're going... And and as I was researching and reading and meditating and discovering who this Nero was, this emperor... My goodness, I'm going to tell you, we we are probably in the last days. The Bible says, you know, always be aware we're in the last days. And it is pretty bad at the moment. But I want to tell you is I now know why Peter was writing from his jail cell to these people. Because this is the emperor. This is the man who, he was crazy. He was loony Nero. He, he was, oh my gosh. It was just crazy. But here is the first century, and uh, the term foreigners, like the called foreigners, the the God's people called foreigners, they would describe people who didn't have citizenship and where they resided. And so they were always excluded from all the citizenships and the privileges of the day. They were often viewed as suspicious, the Christians, because of their beliefs and their faith. And as a a result, they suffered incredibly. And this is Psycho Nero. There was a fire in Rome that burned for seven days. And 70% of Rome was destroyed. And he was the one who started the fire. But he blamed it on the foreigners. He blamed it on the Christians because he wanted to blame it on them so then he could get the whole nation to persecute them, to turn against them. Psycho Nero would burn after this because he turned the nation against Christians. He would get boiling oil and burn the Christians in it. He would get the dogs chasing after the the Christians. The persecute. he would... Crucify them upside down. The persecution that the Christians went through in this day were horrendous, were really bad. Consider yourselves as okay. It's a virus. We're gonna get through this. Mm-hmm. We, I promise we, we will get through it. We will see no more masks one day. Mm-hmm. We, we will never see boiling oil maybe not in our time, maybe when we're gone. Um, And we see that they were persecuted to no end. They were exiles. They were inferior in the world in that day. You know, sometimes it sounds familiar in our times and age that we as Christians can be persecuted in our workplace. Are you one of those Bible bashers? Um, If that's the least of persecution, that's okay. can live with that. You know, where, where, where I know that this has over the years always continued, where the pulling down of Christians, the church, especially ministers right now, don't need to go into details. Just watch the news for five minutes and you'll just see they're just fake news. Don't believe everything you read and everything you hear. Okay, inquire, go to the source, go and read, because it's fake news. And last, yesterday with Jenny Gilpin, she told me the fake news story of her life, how she had to escape from England. And I just go, you escape because of that fake news? She goes, yes. And so, like, we've got to be very attentive that not everything you hear and not everything you 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 read, it is rude and it's not true. And Peter exposes the tension that is occurring. He goes, I know, I know, I, I hear what's going on and, it, and it's horrible. And uh, he comes in and he wants to write this letter to comfort them. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1 He addresses them and he calls them aliens. Now, it's not the aliens that we think of in Mars or something like that. The actual word aliens, he addresses them as, because aliens is another way to to explain as foreigners. It's another word for foreigners. And uh, because they were scattered for five different places, regions, they were all made to scatter from their home of Rome. So the theme developed in First Peter is the theme of hope for the hurting. And that's what he's encouraging them. Hey, there's hope for you that are hurting. And Peter exhorts his readers, he, he, these church members, these church people who were scattered, not actually probably allowed to go to church because they'll find a boiling pot in front of the doorway. But they, he's encouraging them to turn from their persecutions, and the persecutor, and turn to Jesus, and cling on to Jesus. He offers them four different suggestions regarding attitude during difficult times. And I, I reckon we can adopt these attitudes into our day and lives today. He, he says, this is the first book of Peter, he says, he encourages them, number one, he encourages, encourages them to rejoice rather than to resent or retaliate. I know sometimes I feel like retaliating to someone who looks at me crooked because I forgot my mask. Um, But he's encouraging me to rather uh, rejoice in these times rather than resent or retaliate. Number two, he encourages them to submit rather than fight. There are some things not worth fighting about. They will pass. Number three, he encouraged them to glorify God, not the pain. These people are being boiled to to death. But he's saying, rejoice in your sufferings. Rejoice in your pain. What is the Bible saying, Matthew, in the greatest sermon? Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah, persecute. I'm not saying I'm welcoming persecution. Don't hear me. I'm not. But this is what Peter's saying. I see what you guys are going through, but rejoice. In God. And number four, remain humble and and not become defensive. Remain humble. There are some fights I said to you before, not worth even having. Just be humble. Let the love of Jesus shine through you. His second letter, so that's a really quick Bible college session of First Peter for you. There you go. You can say, I did a Bible college session of First Peter. Now the second letter. Though it's, only, it's a very short letter, it's only 61 uh, verses than the first letter, but it's much more difficult to understand. But tonight you're going to be able to understand it a little bit better. So he doesn't spend much time emphasising on the hope for the hurting. He doesn't say, he doesn't give much hope for them. At, he's addressed that already. They've, they've come up through that time and now they're rejoicing through their pain. But instead, he's pretty much getting his fist with his finger and pointing it in the sternum of every Christian going, hey, listen to this. Like, listen up. That's what he's doing. He's like punching them in the sternum going, you need to listen to this. I'm not going to punch you right now. But I want to say, listen to what he says, that it, it's what you, we need to do as we live in troubled times. He's saying, pay attention. This will get you through. If you do these things, you'll get through. So no, 1 Peter 1 was about encouraging them in their hurting times, in their troubled times. 2 Peter chapter 1, this is your short Bible college session right now. Chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1 says he warns us against moral corruption. So he's saying, be pure. Be pure, live pure. Can I encourage you young people, because this is where it's harder for you young people, is it's hard to say no. It's hard to say no against the peer pressure. But you know, I was young once. Yeah, I was. I I, I still am young. But I was your age once. You know, and I had a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I did. And I said, no, we're waiting we're going to wait. We're going to be pure. He was on board because we were united. We were, we were, we were uh, one faith. We were uh, conditional in work, walking with Jesus. We, were, we weren't unequally yoked. Uh, the man is here. <laughs> I waited for one. I said no to the thousands and I waited for the one. <laughs> but I had to, and you do think I wasn't the same because I had the same hormones as you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, i have the same hope, not the men's. But but though I do have a high level of testosterone in me, that's why my deeper voice. Um, So I I knew what it was. I feared God rather than man. And so I learned I'm going to live pure because it is a gift. It is a gift to get through the other side and say, I did it, Lord. I said no, and I stayed pure. And the blessing and the honour that comes with that is just awesome. Chapter two, he urges us to be ready and discerning so we are not deceived by false teachers. Be aware. Okay, I'm going to go into that a little bit later. Chapter three, this is a chapter I'm going to concentrate on a little bit more. Peter reminds us of the Lord's return and says, be diligent. Be diligent. Be diligent. Don't give up. Okay, be diligent. So in 1 Peter, the emphasis is on helping people. Okay, let's do it again because I really want to be a teacher one day. The emphasis is on helping people. Yeah. Chapter 2, okay, the emphasis is on exposing dangerous times and suffering. So here we bring, he brings the warnings and the predictions. He's saying this is what's going to happen. So be ready. You know, one of the marks of immaturity in the tendency to read Scripture, and you've got to watch, we've all got to watch this, is that we read more into a biblical text than it's actually saying. So we've got to be careful that we learn to be comfortable with the big chunks and don't try and fill the gaps with our own theories. So we've got to really be careful because there is so many uh, different opinions about life and about end times and about, you know, stuff that's happening at the moment that we sometimes have got to stick to the Word of God and what the Word of God says. So I want to focus on... Peter's closing thoughts. And it's in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 to 18, which I'm going to break down for you. We find that instead of Peter winding down with a few soft, encouraging, fluffy words, Peter states four forceful commands as they live in troubled times. And today, I really want to encourage you to apply these four commands to your lives in this day, in this season. I don't know how bad it's going to get, but it will get bad. I actually believe it's going to get worse. Um, I'm not because I know what the scientists are saying or the governments are saying because they change their minds. Um, but I know it because the Word of God says that that there is going to... Now, I want to really... Uh, bring out what Mark brought out last Sunday night. And he said something that challenged me because sometimes I can be critical about what's going on. And he challenged me, the Bible only tells us to pray for our leaders and our authorities. And so I've chosen to pray for those who are leading us because they're not gonna get it right. So I'm praying that, that that that's my job is to pray for them, help them Lord. Help them to try and get, you know, a majority of it right. Help, I pray. I pray that God will bless them. And so that's our responsibility is to pray for our leaders. So number, number one, his first forceful command, forceful point that he brings to the people who are scattered, the foreigners, the aliens, who are going through that really tough time with Nero burning accusing them, setting dogs on them, getting the hot oil ready, crucifying them upside down. He says this, says, it's gonna get bad, it's gonna get bad. Be ready for the day of the Lord, the return of the Lord. Can't wait. But I've gotta wait because there's some things that Peter showed me and uh, the reason why his delay, which is quite encouraging. So number one, be diligent. Verse four, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So he's talking about the return of Jesus Christ. Peter says, Do your best to keep from drifting. Drifting into doubt while waiting for God's plan to come about. Oh, That rhymes didn't even realise. Drifting into doubt. Sometimes we can drift because we haven't got got the answer from God yet. Sometimes because we believe in for a miracle and God hasn't responded to what we wanted him to do, we drift. Sometimes we drift because it's easier to not be committed to God and do what we want to do. There are many reasons. Sometimes we drift because we've been hurt. There are many, many reasons. But he's saying be diligent. Be at peace with God. Keep your character without fault and beyond reproach. Trust me, trust me, trust me, is that people are out to catch you out. To, to watch you stumble. Aren't you supposed to be a Christian and you did that? And you swore. Aren't you supposed to be a Christian? You know, like, trust me. You, you like, they, they think you're a saint, a walking saint. So trust me, be on guard. Be careful. Be, be of character. Be watchful. Be without fault. Be beyond reproach. Live a life that no one can actually stick anything labels on you because oh, they're good, they're great, they they love me when I was horrible when I criticised them, they just continue to talk to me and love me. Let's be above reproach. Let's be diligent. Let's not drift away. It feels like Peter was looking down a telescope. Uh, a telescope um, machine time machine to 2021 cuz one thing that i notice if i go on youtube and i put certain things in all the loonies come out <laughs> and uh, you do it don't get take my word for it you do it and i'm noticing there are theories about things about the end times, about the Word of God, about COVID, about all, all everything, that I'm going, where are they getting this from? It's not the Word of God. And so, and it's across the world. It's not just in Australia. And we just see, I'm seeing things and I'm hearing things, you know, across when I talk to other pastors, whether it be in Australia or, or overseas, and they're saying there's a great amount of people that are drifted, drifted away from faith, drifted away from church. They've become comfortable. They've come disconnected. They've, they've drawn away from even their own devotional life with God. Drifting, drifting, drifting. You know, drifting leads to distance and distance leads to disconnection. Oh, that's a good one. Come on. Drifting leads to distance. And distance leads to disconnection. The only one who wins is the devil. The point of weekly worship is not just attendance. It's actually participation in the body of Christ. It's us coming together, worshipping Christ together. Christianity was never designed to be an independent lifestyle. It was designed to let's do life together. Let's encourage one another together. Let's build one another together. Let's be in the house of God together. Let's, where two or three are gathered in my midst, I am in the midst. Yes, I know you can do it at home. But the the but the body, the church of God was designed that we come out of our house. Ecclesia. Is a house is a church. it could come out of your home come in let's let's glorify God together. God created created us to be in relationship with him and with each other. He made us on purpose with a purpose. Oh yeah he made us on purpose with a purpose. And many times you find what your purpose is when you're in the house of God because you fulfill your purpose in the house of God or you equip the tools to, to encourage one another. God created us to be in relationship with him and with each other. People are also in this day and age losing their peace and their hope. Drifting from faith, Drifting from church, drifting from hope, drifting from peace. Another ploy of the enemy. You know, the only one who wins is the enemy. So be aware. Peter is clear and he says, be at peace with him. Keep your character without fault and beyond reproach. Don't get into arguments about all that stuff. One message we need to know about First Peter chapter 3 and those verses is that we do know, it talks about the day of the Lord, and we do know that one day death is sure to come. We do know that there's a heaven and a hell. We do know that we're going to stand before Jesus Christ one day. We do know that there will be a resurrection of the dead. So we do know these things, very clear, very simple, We don't need to add anything else into it, okay? No more than what the Bible says. And there will be a time where we'll we'll need to give an account before Jesus, before our Lord, about our lives, our gifts, and the gifts that he has given us and how we've used them and for our souls. So those things are the sure things that we can be sure that will happen. So number one is be diligent. Number two, he says, be confident. Be confident. Verse 15, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with this wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which Ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So he's saying, be be confident of these things. Scoffers will come and say, Jesus is not coming back. Like, this is, he said it like thousands of years ago. And they were predicted and never came back then. And 1972, and he didn't come back then. 1948, he didn't come back then. On the Glenelg Bridge, and he didn't come back then. Like scoffers will say that, you know, Jesus is not coming back. That's not really going to happen. And he's saying, hey, be confident. Peter encourages them to be confident and reaffirms them with the truth. Jesus is coming back. And his delay is his grace. Because the longer that he delays, is giving time for people to come to know him as their personal Savior and Lord. And that's why the reason of the delay is so more people will find Jesus just like you and I have. So he says, be confident. Jesus is coming back, but be confident. His delay is showing grace to the people. I believe there is going to come a harvest of souls. I believe it is going to get harder. And I believe that, like the Word of God says, that the reaper will overtake the sower. Amen? Amen. We're going to see what we've been praying for. We're going to see a harvest of many people to come to the Lord. We're going to see, you know, after 9-11, when the towers came down, they said that the week after the Sunday church, all churches were in America were packed. Why? Because people know where to go when they're in trouble. They know where to go when they're in trouble. So we've got to be confident That Jesus is going to come back, but his delay is not his denial of, you know, anything but waiting so more people come back and know Jesus. And those that have walked away have an opportunity to come back. Number three says, be on guard. Be on guard. Peter's third commandment is found in verse 17, and it's an expression of an actual military term. Be on guard. Verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawlessness and fall from your secure position. So, Peter's here, he's forewarning us. He's forewarning us to consistently be on guard against falling for the lies of the counterfeit messages and the communicators. False prophets, he's referring. So he's saying, be on guard. When you hear something that you think, oh, I don't know whether that's true, then be on guard. Like, inquire from the Word of God yourself, or go and see Pastor Mark. All right? Like, search out the truth. It's all in the Word of God. It said, be comfortable with the chunks that don't talk about the little crevices and the little details. Be comfortable not to to not add your bit in. Be comfortable with what the Word of God has revealed to us because that's all we need to know at this time. So he's saying, be on guard. Don't lose your conviction. Stand on your secure foundation. That the truth of the Word of God, that what you know, that that what is true is true, and what is a lie is a lie, and don't fall for it. Always filter through scriptures. So when you hear something on, or you read something, or you hear something on YouTube, or someone tells you something about the end times or what's going on, go to the Word of God. Be on guard search the Scriptures, talk to someone who knows something a bit more about the Word of God. Don't be confused. We can never drop our guard on this matter because there are false teachers raising their heads everywhere because it's a ploy of the enemy to deceive many, to stop people coming to know the truth and the salvation of Jesus Christ. So be on guard. Keep discerning, keep filtering. So you can, number four, always be growing. Always be growing. Verse 18. You getting something out of this? Good, I'm not going to test you at the end. It's okay. Verse 18. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. That's, his, that's Peter's last word. Amen. Full stop. Yeah. Gonna go and be crucified upside down now. Bye. You know, that's, what, that's literally what happened soon after. That's what happened. And he's saying, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Peace on earth. Amen. God bless you. Stay strong. You're gonna get through this. Peace. Peter also talked about growing in the first chat in the first letter in Peter two one Peter two two. It says, "Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, always growing, always craving for spiritual milk." Milk. Peter points out two guidelines in growing, and I want to really. I know you're paying attention so well tonight, but I want you to lean in right now. These are really important things. The two guidelines of growing, he says, first, grow in grace, second, grow in knowledge. We need to keep these two in balance. We can't have more grace and less knowledge. We can't have more knowledge and less grace. We've got to keep them balanced. Grace will keep you tolerant and loving even when you disagree. While knowledge will keep you strong, strong in your beliefs, strong in your faith. Grace will make you compassionate, while knowledge will make you discerning. Uh Uh-huh. You like that one? Yeah. Grace will make you compassionate, but knowledge will make you discerning. Imbalance. Grace will help you smile when you're talking to an enemy or sandpaper friend. (laughs) But knowledge will help you think. Grace will result in vulnerability. Knowledge will result in stability. We need to be vulnerable, but we need to be stable. We need to be open, right? Not bleeding over everyone. Right? It's good to bleed a little bit, but not every every little bit of blood. Right? We need to be stable. We need to grow. Be vulnerable, but grow. If you're vulnerable all the time, right, and you're not growing, there's something wrong. Balance is out. You're going to fall over. You know, I used to work at Kmart when I was a teenager. My favourite store, I know. Who loves Kmart? Come on, come on. Who loves Kmart? Yeah, I love Kmart. Kmart, no, not really. (laughs) Kmart, no, not really. Um, I do love Kmart. And I used to be in haberdashery. Who knows what haberdashery is? Yeah, I knew there'd be no one there. (laughs) Haberdashery is, Kmart used to sell fabric on a roll. You know, you go to Spotlight. Spotlight was in Kmart. I used to love it because I was a sewer, so I used to get all the bargain fabrics coming out. And uh, and at one time, every, I can't remember the month, but we used to do stock take. And that means you had to count every button mm -hmm, in those tubes, every button, you had to do a big stock take of everything that was in your department. So what was damaged, you had to send back to the factory, and, and so the company knew what was in stock and what was in, was not in stock, what they needed to bring in. We need to take stock take of our lives. We need to know whether we're in balance or out of balance. We need to know what to add and what to take out. We need to live with grace and knowledge. We need to know that we are we are spiritually always growing and we're not stunted in our growth. We need to come to a place that we're not, Overcoming the same problem in ten years' time. We need to we're new creations and we need to be changed from glory to glory and changing, growing, changing, growing, changing, growing. If in ten years' time you're still talking about the same thing, you haven't grown, you haven't changed, and God is not your overcomer. You are. Okay, you're your stunter. Peter's letters are timeless reminder of the man who grew. He grew from being headstrong Galilean to a humble apostle, from a simple fisherman to a great fisher of, man, of men. His last words urge, urges us to keep growing, to keep growing. These are troubling times. Let me tell you, I'm sorry, to be at the bearer of bad news, but I got that for news from the Word of God um, that it's going to get worse. Um, but we have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We have confidence in our Lord Jesus Christ. We have protection in our Lord Jesus Christ. We have foundation in our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a God who stands with us. We have the Holy Spirit who stands alongside of us, who walks us through these difficult times. I want the musos to come right now as we come to a close. I read this actually only today. I was and, um it, it's, it's something that just shows me pretty much where we are today and, and, and how we can view this time. And Andy Stanley wrote this. He wrote this last year. And he said, sometimes I want to stop. I want to stop talking about COVID, looting, brutality. I lose my way. I become convinced that this new normal is real life. Then I met an 87-year-old who talks of living through polio, diphtheria, Vietnam protests, and yet is still enchanted with life. He seemed surprised when I said that 2020 must be especially challenging for him. No, he said, slowly looking me straight in the eyes. I leaned, sorry, I learned A long time ago, this is this 87-year-old man saying, I learned a long time ago not to see the world through the printed headlines. I see the world through the people that surround me. I see the world with the realisation that we love big. Therefore, I just choose to write my own headlines. Husband loves wife today. Family jobs, everything to look after grandma. He patted my hand. "Old man makes new friend." His words collided with my worries, feelings, feeling them from the tether I had been holding tight. They float away. I am left with a renewed spirit and a new way to write my own headline. My headline is the Holy Spirit never leaves Nina's side. My headline is that I'm going to be confident no matter what comes against me. Nina's headline is I'm going to be on guard to false teachers, false teachings. Nina's headline is I'm going to be diligent to what Christ is saying. Nina's headline is I'm going to choose faith over fear. Nina's headline is, I'm going to overcome the critics and be victorious in Jesus Christ. Nina's headline is, I'm going to keep growing despite what the world throws against me. Will you stand with me tonight as we, begin to, as we come to a close? What's your headline going to be? Are you going to be confident in the Lord? Are you going to be diligent? Are you going to be on guard? Are you going to keep growing? Are you going to be an overcomer? Are you going to trust God? Are you going to grow in faith? Are you going to be one who stands strong no matter what storm, no matter what comes against you? There are certain things that I've had to walk through in the last couple of weeks That in the natural years ago, I would have crumbled and gone, oh, this is too much, God. I can't handle this. But yet, I've grown. And God, you're still on the throne and you're still in control. No matter what happens, you're still in control.